Thank you, guys. Thank you, Vince. I think he should also receive the Studley Award. He's just a stud in my book. And uh, anyway, my name is Manny, and I have um, the girl portion of my family up here. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Jennifer, and this is my oldest, uh, Noel, and this is our youngest, Adelie Joy. And the reason I wanted to bring them up here is just to, well, I mean, Adelie Faith, thank you for correcting me. Her name, that's, just, that's not a good way to start a sermon. The credibility is out the door. This guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. But uh, anyway, this is Noel uh, Joy and Adelie Faith. Did I get that right? Okay. And uh, the reason why I wanted to bring them up here is because this little gal almost didn't make it. And uh, it, it's such a blessing to even have her. She was uh, a preemie, so she's actually a year old. She looks like we just hung out with a friend of ours, and they have a four-month-old that's bigger than her, but she almost didn't make it. And, and through prayer and just joy, she loves saying hi. She's really friendly. She's been such a blessing to us. And I want to I just start off. <laughs> hey, stop upstaging me, young lady. Um, I wanted to start off by, by telling you that this little gal has been nothing but a, a source of stress in our lives, okay? And uh, from the very beginning, I mean, my wife was, was bedridden for, how, since 20 weeks. Uh, she, she's a preemie, uh, costs us a lot of money to have her in, in the hospital. She wakes up every night two, three times a day still to this day. I have to change her diaper. She cries a lot. Let me tell you something. I would give my life right now for this little girl because I love her so much. I love her so much. And the joy that she brings me, not because she adds to my bottom line, not because she helps me have a more efficient and wonderful day. No, it's actually the opposite, right? There's nothing but trouble, stinky diapers, and but I love her, right? Why? Even like that, I love her. I love that. And, you, and, and let's give it up for my family, you guys. They're troopers. Um, they don't like being the center of attention, except for Adelie, I'm finding out. But, um, but you guys, I just want you to have that picture. I look at her, and my heart melts. Um, I would die for her. I, I would do whatever it took when she was in the hospital to bring her to this, this world. And, um, and the reason why? Because she's my daughter, right? And um, some of us might be here feeling like, man, I'm a burden, to the Lord, or he doesn't like me, or I haven't behaved properly, let me tell you something. Um, if you're his child, he just loves you as you are, and he doesn't judge you. He doesn't um, expect. He has expectation uh, for you. He, he just loves you as his child, and, and uh, before we even get into the word, a lot of times we, we will want to look at it as like, okay, some points to do. Um, heaven forbid that you come here expecting to, to get some more items on your list to please God. You already please him if you're in Jesus Christ. That's what's so beautiful about it. Um, and so, in fact, that is the motivation why we serve, right? Because he gave us everything already. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have all the riches in Jesus Christ already. We are the richest people ever, so beloved, so accepted, regardless of what we do. Uh, and because of that, because of that richness and that freedom that we have in Christ, we get to tell the world, hey, you can be free too. You can be loved and accepted uh, beyond anything that you've imagined. And, and that's the motivation for this. Today, the title of this sermon is How the Gospel Moves Forward, I think. <laughs> I, I don't really title my things, but Vince was like, hey, do you have a title? I'm like, I, I felt like I had to come up with one. But um, 
So I came up, the, the gospel's moving forward. Paul's in the middle of it. I don't know, whatever. This is so cool. And, and uh, basically, Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 12 uh, to 18. Just open your Bibles there, and we're going to go. Now, as you're opening your Bibles, I just want to tell you that I'm so stoked to be here, guys. Uh, I told you something that um, I think Vince is a stud, and I, I, I truly believe that. Um, he has been such a good friend to me in the short time that we've known each other. He prays for me. He texts me. He encourages me. And I just want to tell you that that's kind of rare in the pastor world. Um, pastors are lonely people at times. Um, if, we, if we don't do something right in the eyes of people, then we get attacked, you know. And if we do something good, then, you know, um, it's rare that people actually tell us that we do good. You know, so it's just, it's just a blessing to have him. And uh, we met, actually... Um, a friend of mine tried to buy you a juice, right? Some guy from our church, he tried to buy him a juice, and I get a text like five minutes later. He's like, hey, man, actually, let me read it. He says, I tried this, to buy this dude a juice, and then he ended up being a pastor downtown. He wants to meet you, Manny. Vince Larson, he wants to buy you lunch. And I was so stoked to read that uh, for many reasons. By the way, rereading this, I remember that you never bought me lunch. And uh, I, I really, uh, yeah, so, so uh, Vince, this is for you, dude. I don't care. I don't care, but I just don't want to make you a liar in front of your congregation. I'm doing this for you. You need to buy me lunch. Um, so anyway, so he, he texts me, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So we were in the process of moving downtown, and um, I couldn't respond right away to him. But God has a funny sense of humor. He, he's like, no, you guys are going to get together. We ended up going to this conference together, and... Um, and we introduced ourselves. I heard Vince Larson. He heard Manny Sanchez. And we both kind of like do one of these. He comes up behind me. He's like, hey, we got to get together. And I'm like, okay. And uh, anyway, so we hit it off. It was super cool. And uh, we've been hanging out ever since. And, and I've learned so much from you already, bro. I just want to affirm you in front of your congregation. This man lives, eats, and breathes the gospel of Jesus Christ. He loves you guys. And he thinks about you. He's willing to do anything. I saw a thing... Um, uh, the, other, the other day, Steve Harvey. How many of you guys know Steve Harvey? Okay, so he was, yeah, super cool guy. So his son actually came up and, and surprised him on the show. He bought him uh, a pair of shoes with Steve's credit card and said, here, happy Father's Day, Dad. And, uh, but then he gave him a present, uh, a picture that he's going to hang in his wall in his college dorm and one that, that Steve's going to have in his house. And it's, it had a picture of both of them. And he said, he said, you and me until the wheels fall off. And I just thought that was so cool. But like, when, seriously, when I, when I hang out with this guy, he get, I get a sense of that, that for this church, for his people, for those who he's called to lead, it's, it's you and him until the, the wheels fall off, man. Like he loves you guys so much. And, um, and I've also learned how to be missional. This guy knows everybody. Um, and, and they love him. And, and it's just such an amazing thing. So I just am so honored to be able to even speak here. So thank you for that, Vince. Um, one of the things uh, that we see in the scripture is, is that, that situations aren't always perfect. Amen? Um, that, 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 that things don't always go our way, even though sometimes we tend to want to believe that when we believe in Jesus, everything's going to be better. 
Uh, but the scripture just paints such a different picture, and that's why I have uh, a problem with some of the guys that I see on TV that says, just come to Jesus, and your bank account will flourish, you'll get that house, you'll get that car, and, and that's not the gospel, that's, that's idolatry. It's, it's saying that you use Jesus to a means, not Jesus as the end, right? And uh, Jesus is so much better than anything this world could ever give us, and we see that in the life of Paul. He is so invested in the gospel that nothing else matters nothing else matters and and what we see here is Paul experiencing one of the most terrible things that anyone could ever experience and yet he says hey this is a blessing how many of you guys have said that about your trials lately praise Jesus that I got fired right praise Jesus that my boyfriend just dumped me. Um, praise Jesus that I don't, I don't know where the money's gonna come from for rent, right? Like, how many of us, are, but that's what Paul does. And, and we see, starting in verse 12, that he teaches his people a lesson about that. And, and so he starts, now I want you to know, in verse 12, brothers and sisters, Paul's putting his teaching hat on. He's about to teach a very important truth. He said, I want you to know this. This is so important. It's a lesson taught from my very own life. Verse, verse 12 continues, a, a lesson, brothers and sisters, of what has happened to me, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. The question is, how does the gospel advance? How do we play a role in it? Here he's going to tell us, it's not what you always think, he says, okay, what happened to me, what happened to him? He was thrown in prison, right? He was thrown in prison without ever being charged or guilty of anything. And in fact, he never broke the law. He's just in prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, for that, I'm doing what God wants me to do, right? Isn't that how we sometimes feel? Like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. I'm sharing the gospel. Why am I in prison? And he says, hey, it's a good thing, okay? And can you, can you just kind of see how weird that is, okay? That he's saying that that's a good thing. Imagine a close friend of yours. Um, you just hear on the phone, like, man, they've been thrown in prison. And, and somebody falsely accused them. And, and they're probably going to do life in prison if convicted. At worst, they're going to give them the death penalty. Oh, my gosh, right? And you finally, after waiting and praying and agonizing, just, just hurting, you get a phone call, and it's him in prison. And you're like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And he says, oh, yeah, everything's wonderful. <laughs> like, what? No, no, no. I said, are you okay? Imagine how weird it would be to get a phone call from that guy. He's like, no, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. How's it going? How are you doing? I got some good news. And then you think, oh, okay, so here it comes. I got some good news and I got some good news. Which one do you want first, right? <laughs> and, and that's what he says. He, he gives them the good news of his imprisonment. And, and this just must, must have made people crazy. Verse 13, he says, as a result of me being in prison, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So he's in prison, and the good news in his mind is that people begin to notice that he is not a regular prisoner. That he's in prison, and, and can you imagine like he's walking into prison and people are like, oh, new guy, new guy, right? <laughs> well, you in four, right? I mean, they're used to saying like murder, right? Armed robbery, 
aggravated assault. And this guy's like, um, I, I, I preach Jesus out there. What? Right? And, and, he's in, and so people start noticing this. And not only that, but he appealed unto Caesar. Okay, so they, they had a, a court system that was kind of like ours, like you start in the, the municipal court system and then you go to the federal level, you know, you keep appealing. So Paul, he appeals to Caesar where you stand before Caesar himself. Now, most people in this time did not do that. It was a right of a Roman citizen to do that, but it was not recommended because Caesar is not going to waste his time with little minions who have a gripe. Okay, most of the time it was like, Guaranteed that you would be condemned to whatever it was if you appealed to Caesar. Don't do that, right? Don't bother me with your stuff. That was Caesar. But this guy, so, so did you hear? He appealed to Caesar. He's a Roman prisoner, and it's weird. Like, he hasn't even murdered anybody or whatever, you know? And he's in here, right? And, and he says, it has become apparent to everyone that I am in chains for Christ, it's so different. And so people are taking notice. The cellmate, and, and not, only, not only his cellmates, and the, but everybody in the palace guard. Back then, in the palace was where the prison was held. Okay? And all the judges and all the ruling would, would happen there. And so his cellmates, hey, what's going on? Why are you here? How did he answer them? Well, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus, right? He shares the gospel. He has an opportunity, right? He's standing before the judge. Hey, why are people rioting out there because of you? What did you do? Well, it starts back with this man. He came and he, he died for our sins. And, I, you know, he shares the gospel to them, right? And, and so get this. The gospel advanced into places it probably never would have advanced and it was shared with people that probably would have never heard the gospel had he not been in prison. And Paul has like the, the vision to see this. And he's like, man, this is actually a good thing in the palace, in the prisons, to all the governing authorities of Rome. What an unbelievable thing he's saying. Right? And it just blows us away. Because he was in prison, because he was a Roman citizen, he could appeal to Caesar, and, and he was brought before all of the higher-ups. How many of you guys know of this guy named uh, John Maxwell? Okay, leadership guru, right? Okay, he's written a lot of leadership books, and, and what some people don't know about him is that he used to be a pastor. He pastored for 20 years. And um, in his heart, God began to call him to a full-time speaking and writing ministry on leadership, and uh, God has in, just immensely blessed his, his uh, leadership stuff and uh, to the point where he's called the foremost expert on leadership, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and some of these best-selling books that he's written. Anyway, he's, he speaks all over the country and all over the world. He's spoken for some of the top Fortune 500 companies. He's, he's talked to kings and, and uh, governments and things like that on leadership and uh, I remember I was a part of a church where uh, the pastor was a friend uh, with John Maxwell. And so John Maxwell did him a favor. He came and he spoke to our staff of like 50 people. He, he just invested wisdom into us. It was really exciting. It was good stuff. But the thing that I remember the most was when he shared, you know, um, when I left the pastorate, can you imagine like some, some guy who's a pastor in a, in a large and thriving church, he leaves to just go teach on leadership, 
What do you think some of the Christians might have been saying about that, right? Like, really? You kidding me? You know? You mean he's going to teach about leadership, not Jesus? He's not going to open his Bible, right? Like, like some of the self-righteousness in us wants to judge him. Like some people judged his motives, and he got a lot of flack, you guys, for it. He said, I, I, I just felt God leading me into that. Well, right now, um, he, what the, the story that he shares is that what God put on his heart was to teach on leadership. And every conference that he goes to, every coaching session, what he does is he gives an optional kind of lunch with John session. He says, you don't have to come to this after his last session. He says, you don't have to come to this one, but if, if you want to hear my story and what I've learned, how I came to understand some of these principles, you're invited to come have lunch with me during the lunch hour. Just bring your lunch, and then we'll sit down and do our thing, right? Well, he says what he's, he almost every single time gets 100% participation, and, and he came to find out that most people think that he's going to give like some amazing nugget to the really committed people that are, are willing to go to, you know, this optional session. And so anyway, so people end up showing up, and what he does is he tells them their sto- the, his story, and he shares the gospel. And he said the first year doing this, he saw more people come to Jesus than he had in his 20 years of ministry. And what an amazing story, right? He does this all the time, and he's seen, and, and, and it's not just like your average Joes. It's like the top 2% in the country. These are CEOs and leaders and, and, and business owners and, and the wealthy that he's getting to reach all because of the platform that Jesus gave them. And, and um, isn't that interesting how God just uses, right? Like, like it's just like Paul. The difference between John Maxwell and Paul is, is that Paul was in a prison, right, and John Maxwell more than likely is flying first class to these, like, speaking events and things like that. But regardless, these two men decided to say, you know what? Wherever I am, I have an opportunity, right? I have an opportunity. So I'm in prison. I'm in front of new people. I have a captive audience, right? He's going to share the gospel, and people came to know the gospel. And the same thing with, with, with John Maxwell. He's like, man, I have influence with these people. They're inviting me. And, and it's an optional thing. They're coming. I'm going to share the gospel. And, it does it. and it, man, isn't it so cool? What, what if we did that? What if we did that? If we just considered that every situation in life that we, that, that we go through is an opportunity to share the gospel. It's an opportunity for us to serve God. And to share of his goodness. Because I tell you what, so many of us, and I'm totally going off my notes, this is scary, but like so many of us, you guys, are, are so um, focused on what we're going through. Um, we're trying to protect our comfort. Uh, we're trying to, to pursue a better life. And so, so what happens when, when things don't go our way, we instantly, like, we're out of the game, right? Because we're complaining. We're like, what's going on? And God, aren't you good? And I thought that you were going to do this for me and blah, 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 blah. And we miss the opportunity that is there, right? It's like um, a friend of mine, he's, he's a missionary to uh, Siberia, Okay. And there's, I mean, I just respect him so much. He went with no money, and God provided for them, and it's like the tundra. I mean, it's, it's, 
is bad, okay? And they eat horses to survive there. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. But he says he remembers, sorry, I mean, I just, I'm being real. I, I, I don't think I'd survive there. I like San Diego. That's, but anyway, uh, so he, he went there with his wife, and, and he told this story about uh, this hunting expedition that they went. So they, they have to hunt for their food, so they're going, trying to find an elk or a moose or something. And, and on the way, he falls down this crevice and breaks his arm and his leg. And they're in the middle of the wilderness, and he can't move. And so all of a sudden, all the hunting stops, right? So they can't bring food, and they're trying to just keep him alive. And so they're, they're traveling, and they notice this native village. And so they go into this native village, and the people help, help him. And, and everybody gathers around and does that. And he's like, God, I have no idea why you allowed me to get... But then he, he thought of it. He's like, wait a minute. Maybe I'm supposed to share the gospel with these people. And, and because he was faithful, he was able to share the gospel. And I don't know how many people, but a bunch of people in the tribe got saved, right? Uh, sometimes when we get injured in life, we lose a job, we, whatever it is that we go through, we, we shut off when we should be shutting on. Like, okay, something's happening right? And, and if we really, really believe the gospel, if we really believe that God's in control, how many of you guys believe God is in control? Okay, if we really believe that God is good, that because of Jesus Christ, I mean, look at the cross. The cross shows you that God can turn the worst scenario, something that seems so terrible and bad, right? How do the disciples look at the cross? They're like, man, this was our life. We left our livelihoods for this, and all of a sudden he's dying, and God is able to turn that into something beautiful that saves the world, right? What an amazing, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that even the foolish things of this world, the things that we look at and we're like, man, that's, I don't know about that. Do we really believe that the foolishness of the cross that brought redemption, that he's able to do that with anything in our lives that we say, like, dude, I, I have no idea why this is happening, but God does. Do we believe that, that he's able to turn everything for good to those who love him, right? Don't shut off. Don't shut off. And the other way, too, you know, uh, don't shut off when, when bad things happen, but don't shut off when good things happen. A lot of times when good things happen, we just kind of hit the coast button, and we just coast because life is good and cozy and we want to keep it that way. No, the good, God, God is doing good things in your life. God is allowing hardships in your life all for the reason for you to be able to have an opportunity to exalt Jesus. But are we looking at those opportunities? I don't know what's happening with your life. I don't know what's happening in this church. But Paul here is telling us, hey, even prison has turned out to be so good because now I have opportunities to share Jesus with other people. And he moves on. He moves on and he, and he says, not only that, because some, some would say like, well, yeah, Paul, of course you get to share Christ with these people, but man, you were having a mighty ministry out there with thousands. Like, you're preaching to, to dozens, but out there you were preaching to thousands and thousands were coming to know the Lord. It's almost like he anticipates that. And he says, and, okay, so I'm getting to share with, with everybody in Caesar's household, but he says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he's saying, like, not only am I, am I getting to, to get into these inner circles, but all the people that, that were following me and just kind of sitting there depending on me to do the work have said, oh, 
Paul's in prison. The gospel needs to go forth. We better do something about it, right? And people got bold, it says, and they didn't do it. Oh, they, they, they did it without fear, right? Like, I always wonder, and uh, I, I, we need to tell our churches this, that if Vince ever leaves, what's going to happen to this church? Or if, if heaven forbid, if, if Vince has an accident, will this church crumble? Or will the people say, you know what? God started a work. God started a work, and we're going to step up. In fact, don't wait till that happens to him, okay? Just, just start now. Just start now. Because how much more powerful to have Vince and to have everyone else saying, you know what? We need to reach this community for Jesus, right? But Paul, he's so stoked because he sees the people that were just kind of sitting on the sidelines all of a sudden suiting up and getting at it. And he's like, that's good too. That's really good. And, and get this, and, and some people may say, yeah, but look at those guys are doing it so that they can get a bigger church than you or so that they could get a bigger following. They're doing out of bad. He's like, that's okay because Jesus is being preached. Man, is this a one-track mind or what? It's all about Jesus, right? I mean, he's not looking for a better life. He's not looking for position with people. He's not looking for the biggest ministry. He's just looking for Jesus to be glorified. Man, we need some more people, some more Christians that are all about Jesus, man. All about Jesus. I love what it says in Hebrews um, Hebrews, and I'm totally going all over the place, bro. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, Hebrews 12. Turn, turn there in your Bibles. Some of you guys know where I'm going. Hebrews 12. Man, this is fun, isn't it? Like, learning about Paul. I'm having fun preaching. If you guys aren't having fun, at least I'm having fun. Uh, that's okay, you guys. And man, I like this church. You guys are like an amen church. Preach it, preach a church. I like that. You guys just keep it coming. <laughs> keep it coming. It's so good. Um, Hebrews 12. Oh man, look at this. And, and isn't this the mindset of Paul? Um, sorry. Chapter 12. Okay. Um, and I'm reading out of the NLT. It just defaulted there. But like. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, what witnesses is he talking about? In chapter 11, all these people uh, that, that just were one-track mind, faith in God, whatever God wants, right? And, and some of them like, had amazing ministries because of that faith. Some of them actually died for that faith, but they were committed to the end, no matter what happened to them. He says, surrounded by all these people that, are, that just lived as examples for us, he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Every weight. Every weight. And I like, he says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So, yes, sin, that's kind of like the obvious one. Okay? Be a one-track mind. Don't have one foot into, into your sin and then one foot in Jesus, that's like the most miserable life ever. Jesus still loves you, and he cares for you. He's always going to forgive you. But it's just, you're, you're not doing anything, right? You're not living that abundant life that Jesus has. It's just sin is destructive. But, but what I love is like strip off every weight. And so there are some things that are not sin that are weighing you down just because they're either unwise or they're just distractions, 
right? And, and, and here, Paul, Paul do, you, do you think that he had a distraction? You know, for most of us, going into prison would be a major distraction. We would be, woe was me, right? Uh, to have people actually doing things so that they could cause us hurt, like, like some people were preaching, to, it says, to cause Paul a little bit of pain, uh, so having someone attack us, that would uh, uh, hinder us, would it not? Like we'd start just, oh man, I can't believe they're doing that, they're so mean, right? But Paul's like, dude, it doesn't even matter. And you know why? I think it's because he understood the gospel. He understood what Jesus had done for him. And it's kind of like uh, we, we practice these four G's at our church. God is great. Say that with me. God is great. So what's the implication of that? You don't have to be in control anymore. Isn't that great? I mean, if, if he's over everything, if he's sovereign, then, and he's so great, you don't have to be in control. Say, hey, you got it. Right? He's got it. Uh, God is gracious. Say that with me. God is gracious, so you don't have to work for his approval. His grace shows us that he sent Jesus Christ to be our approval, right? Uh, God is glorious. Say that with me. God is glorious. Say it like you mean it, people. All right? God is glorious, so I don't have to work to impress others, right? He's so glorious. His is, I mean, if he appeared to us here, we would care nothing about what the people next to us were thinking because he's so glorious. We'd be on our face. It's just, what do you want, Lord? What do you want, right? And then the last one, God is good. Everybody say like you mean it. God is good. Yeah, so we don't have to, to find satisfaction elsewhere. We don't have to find satisfaction elsewhere. You, you, you see how the gospel just affects you like that? It's all because of Jesus. God is great. God is good. God is glorious. God is gracious. So he can just kind of leave. He, he was literally not weighed down by anything. He lost it all, his freedom. He lost his position out there. He lost his ability to move around. I mean, and yet he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing because he was about one thing, about Jesus Christ, the one who saved him. I love that. Uh, and, it, and Hebrews 12:2 says, And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Isn't that what he said? To fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was able to endure the pain of the cross because there was a joy at the other end. You know what that joy was? It was you. It was you. Put your name in there. You know? For Manny was set in his mind before him. Vince was set in his mind before him. Uh, Jesus endured the torment of the cross because he had you in his mind that someday, man, he's going to understand this. He's going to follow me. He's going to be rescued. That was the joy that was set before him. He did it for you. And um, that, my friends, is what it helped him to endure the cross, Right? scorning its shame. It's like, yeah, this is shameful, whatever, but there's, there's a greater truth. There's a greater blessing that awaits. And this is nothing compared to that, right? How many of you guys can just kind of imagine 
standing before your heavenly Father someday. You know? And Him seeing you with those just loving eyes, just no judgment, complete love in His eyes for you, just rejoicing to be able to embrace you for the first time. To know Him befriend him, the one who loves you so much. Man, whatever I go through, God, right? doesn't matter. The ability to see someone who you love, maybe a neighbor or a friend or even a stranger who doesn't know Jesus, to be able to see them because of your life, whatever you go through, come to know him and all of a sudden have an eternity with Jesus instead of an eternal torment, like, wow. I'm sure here it's true too, but we've seen marriages restored, we've seen people delivered from addictions, we've seen people saved, we've seen people depressed all of a sudden receive the greatest joy in their lives. I mean, could you put a price tag on it? It's like, yeah, Lord, like, I'll serve you, but, but not, not like if it, moves around my comfort or takes it away or whatever. No, no, there's something greater. And, and Jesus, Jesus and Paul both showed us there's something greater to focus on than just like what you go through. And you actually rise above, you know, circumstances. That's what's so beautiful about Christianity. For the joy before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then it gives, he gives us in Hebrews 12 too, an example of what, or a, a directive on what we need to do, he says in verse 3, consider him, consider him, like set your mind, really focus on him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay, so when you're going through these difficult circumstances, I'm not saying that you're just like, woo, yay, and then like ignore the pain. It is painful. It is, but it's very important to not focus on the pain, to not focus on woe was me. He says, instead of that, like you're going to be enduring and set your mind on him and set your mind on Jesus who endured the cross for you. You were the joy set before him. Keep your eyes fixed on that. And then it brings everything else into perspective. We say like, well, I, I'm not hanging on a cross. I guess I can endure this, Right? I didn't have to be separated from the Heavenly Father and bear the sins of the world. I guess I can endure this. And one other thing that the cross does, if you can focus on the cross just like Paul did, and, and we're instructed here in Hebrews, here's what, here's what happens. You, you begin to see God's blessings and wisdom. Isn't it true that if you focus on the cross and what God did, that we get this truth, that God is able to turn a, a seemingly horrible situation into something good, right? Isn't that what we see in the cross? Uh, what else do we see in the cross? God is able to be trusted with our suffering. Isn't that what we see? Like, like Jesus had to surrender and submit and say, okay, I'm going into the grave. I don't know. Are you going to raise me up? Are you going to leave me there in the abyss? Remember in Psalms, he says, you will not leave your Holy One to see corruption. Jesus had to enter into that trust. Okay, I'm going through this, and I'm believing you that you're going to raise me up and that we're going to be together again. 
right? The cross, God, God was faithful, by the way. And God can be trusted with suffering. So whatever you're going through, you look at the cross and you're like, well, he did that for Jesus, he's going to do that for me. The cross enables us to see that God never allows needless suffering. One of the beautiful things in the life of the believer is that if you suffer, you can know that there's a purpose. You can know that there's a purpose. Okay? It's not just needless. Like, like, like God is up there saying, you know what? I wonder what he'll do if I just throw this in there, right? He's not up there doing that. He's got this master plan, and he loves you, and he wants to use you to reach others. And so he works these things masterfully. In the end, you know what? We will go through tribulations. Jesus told us that, so we need to, like, embrace that and expect the next one, you know, just be like, it's coming, whatever. But God (laughs) is not going to allow it to be a needless, wasted experience. Something's going to happen, right? And we can trust God in that. And then the last thing, the cross shows us, and it speaks to us, that God always blesses at the end of suffering. If you're a child of God, you won't go through any suffering that he won't redeem in the end. He will bless you guys. And that's one of the things, guys, like, like, like God has not promised that this life will be so much better with him. He says it might even get worse, guys. All right? It might even get worse. But what he does promise is that after all is said and done, after all is said and done, you will look back and be like, man, remember when we went through that thing? Praise God. That that will be your reaction, that you'll say, wow, God is so good. No one is ever going to look back on what God did in their lives and say, man, you messed up. Right? No, we're always going to, he promises that for the joy set before him, all of us are going to see, wow, God was so good. He promises to always be there with you. You're not alone. You're not suffering. And so what do we do? What do we do? Just like Paul, you know, just like Paul, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He went into prison, and he began to suffer, and and, and yet he chose to fix his eyes not on his suffering, not on the fact that the food was bad, not on the fact that this guy smells next to him, not on the fact that he might die, not on the fact that he hasn't seen his friends, that he's cold at night, not on any of that. What did he fix his eyes on? On Jesus. Like there's a purpose here. God's going to redeem the situation just like he did with Jesus. I get to be an instrument. There's an opportunity here. That's the Christian way of suffering. And by the way, that's how God moves the gospel forward. Amen? And and God has such a plan for you. I don't know who who you have in your life. Um, And by the way, you can come up now. I, I, I went off. I went off. Book, dude. I'm sorry. You like? <laughs> I went off book. I'm sorry, guys. But um, uh, I don't know what you're going through, but I want to challenge everybody to to look at your life through the lens of the cross, right? Like through the lens of Jesus. And so, um, is there opportunity in your life to to use this situation? Like, yeah, it's bad and it's it's horrible and it's heavy on my heart, but hey, I wouldn't have met them. Or, hey, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have to be going through meetings. Right? 
Um, is, there, is there an opportunity for you to, to look at the bigger picture <laughs> that God is actually using your life, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he's always going to be there for you? Okay. I want to um, end by just giving you a couple minutes, like two minutes, to reflect on what the Holy Spirit's doing in you. One of the things I love about church, guys, is that whenever we come to church, you never know what's going to happen. We've got a Holy Spirit who's powerful, and he's always working, right? And there's something about coming and just sitting and, and knowing that there's a spiritual work going on uh, because at any given moment, there could be breakthrough. Oh, man, the Holy Spirit can be working in your life right now to change something so big that, that you'll literally be, be changed forever. Like, that's what happens. I, I, I'm going on a soapbox now, but, like, I'm, I'm always, like, like, just amazed when people come to me and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, we weren't at church for the last two weeks because, like, we just, had, we just needed a break. And I'm like, a break? A break from what? A break from breakthrough? A break from a better marriage, possibly? A, a break from encouragement in the Lord? A break from just feasting on the gospel? Like, what, what do you mean a break? There's no break. Like, guys, church is such a wonderful thing, not because it's an event. It's not an event. It's a spiritual experience. The Holy Spirit's working in you. And so I just, I just want to end by, by inviting you to pray right now and just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What is it that I need to hold on to right now? Just close your eyes and ask him those questions. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your work in everybody's life and in everybody's heart right now, Father. I don't know where people are at, but that's what's so cool is that you do and you use the word to pierce people's hearts and to encourage them and to lift them up. Lord, I thank you that we are not alone, that we are not called to live a life of works, but a life of relationship and response and uh, to you and to your gospel and, and that you're doing this work in us and for us. And I just praise you for that, God. And I just pray that, that um, people would be different because of Paul's example, because of your word, that they would truly internalize that nothing ever happens, that you don't intend for a higher, more beautiful reason. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't be like we were before we knew Jesus, that we would just kind of look at our lives apart from you. That's, that's ludicrous, God. We have you in it. And so help us to see life with, with the X factor in there, with you being in control, being loving, being good, being with us, being near us, having a plan. Um, this life has so much meaning with you in it, and we're able to endure anything because of the cross and because of what you've done. I pray that over these people, God, over my friends here. I thank you, Father, for, um, for your grace. And I just pray, Father, God, that whatever people are going through, I don't know what it is. Some people may have barely made it to church today because they're so heavy-hearted pray that you would give them new vision for what they're going through. Some people may be struggling alone and nobody knows. They have a smile right now and I just pray, Father God, that you would redeem that and help them to say something to a, a trusted friend so that they can be supported and encouraged and yet caused to look to the cross and caused to look at the opportunities that are before them to spread your gospel. Someday this is going to be over, God, and 
and the most precious words that we are going to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. And at that point, it's not going to matter whether we made it our whole lives um, in comfort with all of the things that we sometimes long for, Lord. Uh, It's only going to matter that we served you well, that we lived out the gospel for you. And um, I just thank you again for, for what you've done. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, um, I just want to give somebody an opportunity. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ, um, you know, you, one of the things that, that we preach about is that Jesus came not to judge this world, but to save it. And, and that's why he died on the cross, because apart from him, we can't have salvation, is what the Bible says. He died on the cross. He, he took on our sins he paid the penalty for our sins and three days later he rose again to prove that it 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 was accepted his sacrifice was accepted and if if you don't know jesus here today and and you want to be forgiven of your sins and you want to enter into a relationship with him you want to receive what christ has done for you i just want to give you the opportunity to do that right now and and just um for the sense of of a personal time with God. Just everybody keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ tonight, just, just raise your hand until I can see it. Okay, in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Father God, I just thank you so much that there's life in here. And um, Father God, thank you that you're, you're doing a work. We just pray, God, that... Um, that this beloved person who put their hands up, that they would be um, just overcome by your amazing love and grace. Uh, We thank you for this church service. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.